0: Welcome to the Daily Bite with your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today's text is the start of the book of Ezekiel together. Now, before we dig into Ezekiel chapter 1, just a little bit of a background on the book. Ezekiel himself actually begins as a priest, and he is part of the group, the first wave taken into exile when Babylon comes and attacks the southern kingdom of Judah. So I guess I gotta back up and unpack that. In 722, the northern kingdom of Israel, part of God's people, is destroyed by Assyria, gone. In 587, the southern kingdom, Judah, is also going to be destroyed, this time by Babylon, who happened to also defeat Assyria, but that's a different point. But before 587 actually occurs, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, has already attacked. He's already made sizable damage to the morale of the people of Judah. He's taken in that first wave of captives a lot of their leadership, which, you know, certainly doesn't help them function as a group or organize themselves as a group to oppose him. That's the kind of thinking for, for a king there in that instance. So, Ezekiel is one of those taken in that first group, off to Babylon, into that exile, and this is then bringing us to chapter 1, which is going to be in the context historically around 593 BC, so about six years before the fall of Jerusalem. And that's when he'll receive this first vision. His time as prophet because he does get that. We see that tomorrow. He becomes a prophet in addition to his role as priest. That'll last until about 570. This is a very mysterious book. Several visions in it that are in many ways beyond our understanding. We'll do our best to take a look at them and unpack parts of them uh, and try to get the main main piece, especially today. You'll get an example of that. And then, really, the book itself can be pretty neatly divided into three sections. The first half of the book, chapters 1 through 24, are God's judgment spoken against his people of Israel, which at this point is a reference to Judah because Israel, the northern kingdom, is already destroyed. But Judah and Israel sometimes get used interchangeably as a referent for Judah in parts of the Old Testament. Now, uh, chapters 25 through 32, you have the judgment on the other nations around them. And then 33 to 48 are going to be a vision of Israel's restoration that will come. So, Ezekiel is going to be called by the Lord to call God's people to repent, but also give them hope of what will come, of the restoration that is to come. So, let's read our text for today. In the thirtieth year in the fourth month on the fifth day of the month as i was among the exiles by the kabar canal the heavens were opened and i saw visions of god on the fifth day of the month it was the fifth year of the exile king jehoiakim the word of yahweh came to ezekiel the priest the son of buzi in the land of the chaldeans by the kabar canal and the hand of yahweh was upon him there as i looked behold a stormy wind came out of the north and a great cloud with brightness around it, and fire flashing forth continually, and in the midst of the fire, as it were, gleaming metal. And from the midst of it came the likeness of four living creatures, and this was their appearance. They had a human likeness, but each had four faces, and each of them had four wings. Their legs were straight, and the soles of their feet were like the sole of a calf's foot, and they sparkled like burnished bronze, Under their wings on their four sides they had human hands, and the four had their faces and their wings thus. Their wings touched one another. Each one of them went straight forward without turning as they went. As for the likeness of their faces, each had a human face. The four had the face of a lion on the right side, the four had the face of an ox on the left side, and the four had the face of an eagle. Such were their faces. And their wings were spread out above. Each creature had two wings, each of which touched the wing of another, while two covered their bodies, and each went straight forward. Wherever the spirit would go, they went, without turning as they went. As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire, like the appearance of torches moving to and fro among the living creatures. The fire was bright, and out of the fire went forth lightning. The living creatures darted to and fro like the appearance of a flash of lightning." Now as I looked at the living creatures, I saw a wheel on the earth beside the living creatures, one for each of the four of them. As for the appearance of the wheels and their construction, their appearance was like the gleaming of beryl. And the four had the same likeness, their appearance and construction being, as it were, a wheel within a wheel. When they went, they went in any of the four directions without turning as they went. And their rims were tall and awesome. And the rims of all four were full of eyes all around. And when the living creatures went, the wheels went beside them. And when the living creatures rose from the earth, the wheels rose. Wherever the spirit wanted to go, they went. And the wheels rose along with them. For the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. When those went, these went. And when those stood, these stood. And when those rose from the earth, the wheels rose along with them. For the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. Over the heads of the living creatures there was the likeness of an expanse shining like all-inspiring crystal, spread out above their heads. And under the expanse, their wings were stretched out straight, one toward another. And each creature had two wings covering its body. And when they went, I heard the sound of their wings like the sound of many waters, like the sound of the Almighty, a sound of tumult like the sound of an army. When they stood still, they let down their wings, and there came a voice from above the expanse over their heads. When they stood still, they let down their wings. And above the expanse over their heads, there was the likeness of a throne, an appearance like sapphire. And seated above the likeness of a throne was a likeness of a human appearance. And upward from what I had the appearance of his waist i saw it as were gleaming metal like the appearance of fire enclosed all around and downward from what had the appearance of his waist i saw as it were the appearance of fire and there was brightness around him like the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud on the day of rain so was the appearance of the brightness all around such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of yahweh and when i saw it i fell on my face and i heard the voice of one speaking This is the word of the Lord. You will have to wait until tomorrow to hear what this one is speaking. Or you can go ahead and just, you know, read God's word. That works too. So, the introduction here. The 30th year, likely a reference to Ezekiel's own life. So, in the year that he is 30, uh, this is the time when a priest would have assumed full duty within the temple. And so, he again has that role of priest, but exiled. So he's no longer in Jerusalem, no longer capable of working in the temple. But this has been given to him nonetheless. God is calling him into this new role, uh, as we'll see again, as I said, tomorrow in chapter 2. He was among the exiles, as we mentioned in the opening. He's been carried off to Babylon. We don't know much about this Kabar canal, uh, although, again, it would be in Babylon's territory. But being there, he sees a vision. The heavens opened, God shows him something, and we get that vision starting in verse 4. We get a couple other details first though in this intro, so the idea that this is the fifth year of the exile of King Jehoiakim. So Jehoiakim takes over as king of Judah in Jerusalem. He reigns for a whopping three months before Nebuchadnezzar deposes him, takes him off into exile again with, with the others and leaves a puppet king in his place, which happens to be Jehoiakim's uncle Mattaniah. He renames him Zedekiah. So you can see that at the end of the book of 2 Kings. There's not a lot of history left there for the people of God before their destruction, and then it doesn't pick up again until Ezra and Nehemiah, uh, probably three generations later, roughly. So, Fifth year shows you how long Ezekiel has been stranded in exile already as God then speaks to him. The word of Yahweh came to Ezekiel, the priest. The hand of Yahweh was upon him there. That's the blessing of God. Ezekiel has the Lord with him and for him, even though they are in exile. And God is going to use this man, he's going to work through Ezekiel as his prophet to speak this word of hope that will eventually come but judgment first. So law and then gospel, if you want to look at it that way, in a sense. So as you work through this vision with your kids, one of the things that you could do, if anybody's artistic in the family, just try and draw it. Um, I mean, essentially, that's what Ezekiel's doing for us. He is taking a vision that is beyond our comprehension, and he's trying to explain it to us. He's trying to help us comprehend it as best as we can, as he can. He's sharing what he saw, but he doesn't even have the words within his, his Hebrew tongue uh, to describe it, nor do we within our English tongue. So again, he does his best. So it could be fun to draw this out if you'd like to. You've got the theophany, that is the appearance of God. Um, So you've got a great cloud and fire, um, both appearing there in verse 4. Those are both things that the Lord uses to make appearances in the Old Testament. Um, Pillar of cloud and fire is going to be a big one there. Uh, Going back to the Exodus account, as God led them both day and night um, in that, that way. The cloud that would come and descend on Mount Sinai in Exodus 19 the cloud that would fill the temple, the glory of Yahweh. You've got the fire of the burning bush in Exodus 3, or the melted fire pot um, when he makes the covenant with Abraham. Is that Genesis 12 or is it Genesis 15? One of those chapters where you can see that. So those are some examples of that um, that you can see in the Old Testament. If your children aren't familiar with those, you might double back and take a look at them at the end of the text as you're reading about the appearance of yahweh himself god himself you might bring those things up um you know looking at verses 26 through 28 and seeing this man man man-like figure you know human in appearance but yet he's like solid metal and burning fire at the same time who is this well this is talking about god and where else do we see God appear as fire? So those, that's a spot where you could bring that out as a conversation with your children. Or you can do it already in verse 4 and later on double back to it. So flashing fire that comes out continually. Quite a, quite a picture. The gleaming metal, which we see again in verse 27 as well here in verse 4. Now you get four living creatures coming out of this. Creatures means created, so the creatures are not God, but they are his creatures, his creations, things that he has made. Uh, Historically, probably angels is the best way to take these, uh, as Ezekiel will come back to this idea in chapter 10, and he will call them cherubim. Uh, Gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, get connected to these in the early church days, uh, with each of them representing one of these faces, the lion, the eagle, the man, and the ox. So you could look into that idea too if you want to. Um, Revelation chapter 4 is a really great place to pair with this idea, as John is given a revelation from heaven and sees such a very similar thing. So read this account, Read Revelation chapter 4's account and note some of those similarities between them, how you've got the four living creatures, um, they have their wings, they have the different faces that we see here, although if I recall correctly, um, they're not all four sharing the four faces, like each of these has those four faces, whereas I think in Revelation 4, they had the four faces of lion, eagle, ox, and man, but they were Like each creature had its own. Uh, Might be worth looking into. So very similar visions. How do you describe an angel? Well, here's a description of them. You wonder why people are always afraid in scripture when angels show up. Then we see that they, their wings touch to one another. So, picture they each have four wings. Two of them they use to cover themselves so they can't be fully seen. But the other two they use stretch out to touch one another. The best way to picture that's probably a square, right? If you picture sticking maybe your left arm out in front of you, your right arm off to the side, into an L shape, and then you've got four these four living creatures making a similar kind of motion, but with their wings. And yet even though their wings are all used, they're still flying interesting picture here. <laughs> He's not able to fully describe. Um, so the commentary I'm digging into a little bit for this one is the Concordia commentary series. It's on Ezekiel chapters 1 through 20 by Horace Hummel. And he mentions and points out here the idea that these four creatures are essentially the crowns of their own respected area. So man is the crown of creation Uh, in, in charge of dominion, caring for all the rest, whereas the lion is the king of the wild animals, the ox being the king of the domestic animals, and then the eagle king of those creatures that fly through the air. These creatures follow a spirit, the spirit, And they don't turn from that. They go wherever the spirit goes. So these angels follow the Lord. They do what the Lord is giving them to do at all times. Got the appearance of burning coal. An interesting description for them. And where there is fire, out of that fire went forth lightning. Sometimes you'll see commentaries describe fire in, in descriptions and visions like this. That the fire is lightning. Oh, here is an instance where we actually have them distinct, distinctly both mentioned in the text. So the fire flashing forth continually in verse 4, don't think of that one as lightning, uh, because out of that fire then came lightning, as interesting as that may be. Now, several of these features are going to point us to the omnis of God. So the omnis that he is omnipresent, so he's everywhere, that's going to be like the, the eyes on the wheels that are everywhere, all over them. Um, God sees all things. You've got the omnipotence, so potent power. God is all-powerful. You see some of that just when you try to picture this. um, And these are just his servants. These are his angels, his creatures, his messengers, which is what the, the angel word, angelos, ends up meaning in the Greek. And really the Hebrew word has that connotation to it too. And then he's omni. What have I left out? So we got omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient. Science, knowledge. So God is all knowing, and that connects here as well. You might even connect the different ideas uh, that you see in the text to those omnis and see how you see these different characteristics of God being displayed even in his creatures that he has made. We see in. Well, each creature has a wheel that you see in that next paragraph there that goes with them. Ezekiel has trouble describing how these wheels don't have to turn because they can simply move in whatever direction that they want to move. You think of a ball that just glides on the ground and you can, you know, push it one way or the other and it just keeps rolling. And that's what these wheels have the ability to do. It's anything beyond the technology of Ezekiel's day. He has no way to describe this, but again, tries his best he does describe them as awesome, which doesn't mean really cool. You know, we hear awesome in the English 21st century culture. We think it means cool, but in its actual original meaning as a word in English, it means worthy of fear. All is fear, and that some suffix means worthy of. So for something to be awesome, it is worthy of fear. And there are very few things that are worthy of There are very few things that are actually awesome. But that's how Ezekiel describes what he sees in this vision. He doesn't know how else to say it. All right, verse 22, Over the heads of the living creatures there was the likeness of an expanse. You might ask your children about this expanse word if they're familiar with seeing it before. The expanse is mentioned back in Genesis 1 as God separates. He separates on day 1, light darkness on day two he separates the water from the water in the space in between that he calls the expanse the expanse of the heavens um, so you see that showing up here again and now they're described as shining like all inspiring so again fear crystal sapphire is going to be mentioned so you've got barrel crystal sapphire all these precious stones The sound of the wings of these creatures reminded him of, you know, rushing water would be one, the sound of the Almighty another, and the sound of an army a third. So, again, the, the angel's very presence invokes fear, and we see that so frequently in Scripture. And a voice sounds out from above the expanse. So now he's going to describe where the voice is coming from, which is verses 26 through 28. We already talked about these already. Uh near the beginning of the episode today, that there is a throne seated above these angels, and from this throne, which has, again, sapphire mentioned with it, an appearance, as is the rainbow. And those are both seen also in Revelation, when descriptions are given of God on his throne, on the rainbow around the throne, uh, and, again, sapphire as well. And so you have a human appearance. It doesn't mean God actually is man in this image but that's the best way ezekiel can describe him and he again describes him as being fire above and below the appearance of fire so how god appears in scripture so often now one of the things he as he wraps this up he says this is the appearance of the likeness of the glory of yahweh ezekiel gets to see god and where is this glory of yahweh manifested where is it made known to the rest of us in jesus christ because this glory of yahweh is going to take on flesh the vision that ezekiel sees of god in his heavenly throne room here in this chapter god is going to take on flesh he's going to come down among us and so these very words are are going to be well this very vision is fulfilled in the coming of christ but the the words that are about to be spoken you can take these as the words of jesus himself So there's a a great connection for you. But for the words, what does the, the Lord speak? Check in tomorrow. God's peace be with you.